Well, good morning. If you, oh, there you go. Just step out in faith, right? <laughs> it's working. Well, good morning. I really, again, really excited to be with you guys. And uh, yeah, last week I, I mentioned that um, I, I want to swap some time. I go to Hawaii and Dave preaches, but I'm not really sure when that's going to happen. <laughs> but that should be fun. Well, I always love sharing the word, but this is, again, one of those messages that really is close to my heart because um, it brought a lot of freedom to my life, to be quite honest, especially with what I talked about last week. And if you missed last week, I encourage you to listen to the CD, uh, partly because it's kind of critical for what I'm going to share today, so I'm going to do a little bit of recap. Last week, I talked about how Jesus, our God himself, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, is our inheritance. That when Jesus died on the cross and gave us his new life, um, in the New Testament, a lot of times it's referred to as something we inherit because when someone dies, we, in their will, you receive an inheritance. Well, we received an inheritance when Jesus died and we said, you know, have our sin, we receive your life. We received an inheritance. And the greatest inheritance we received, the greatest thing we received from that is God himself. And I was making the point that this is also tied in with the concept of pleasure. That the Christian walk is meant to be a walk of pleasure. It's meant to be a walk of delight. Um, sometimes in, in church we get this mentality that pleasure is bad. You know, We downplay pleasure. Don't think about pleasure. Don't think about delight. Don't think about enjoying things because you've got you to gotta suffer for God. And let me tell you, there are times we've got to suffer for God. So that's not necessarily wrong, but... The reality is, if you don't believe that the greatest pleasure you will ever find is in God himself, you will look for it somewhere else. Because you were designed for pleasure. Um, I shared this last week, but it's it's why when I generally talk to teenagers about, you know, walking in sexual purity, um, it is good to mention the negative things. But I have told them before, when you're in temptation, no negative thing matters. Because why? Because you are ultimately drawn with pleasure. If, that, if all I see is there's pleasure right there and there might be negative circumstances later, maybe in the by and by, I'm going to go for that pleasure nine times out of ten. That's me. <laughs> Let's talk about just anybody else. But if I told you that the only times I've really ever walked in sexual purity is when I did not want to forsake some of the pleasure I would experience in God, that's when I walked, that's when I had breakthrough. Because I, 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 I said, you know what? I'm going to miss out on something in the Lord if I do this. Not that God's going to hate me and, you know, it's not that idea. It's the idea that I love his presence and God's not going to hang out with me. He's in me always, but his presence isn't enjoying the fact that I'm sinning. And um, it's like, am I going to make my flesh unhappy or am I going to make the Lord unhappy right now? I want to make the Lord happy. And I'm going to explain that. So I I talked about how we need to convince our minds. We need to have new thoughts about God. We need to think of God as he really is. Because if you knew God, you would love him. If you knew God, you would like him. If you knew God as he really is, it, it it would make you so excited. It would fill you with so much joy. I talked about, for example, how God is the most powerful being in the universe. And yet he loves you. He is... He loves you unconditionally. He loves you without limit. God is the most joyful being in the universe. God is the most peaceful being in the universe. Um, God, to those who've committed their lives to him, because he doesn't force himself, but to those who've committed their lives to him, he's committed to protect them, provide for them, empower them, guide them, 
and I'm not going to repeat my whole message, but basically last week, I, I was just trying to help you see God as he really is, because when you see that, you can't help but enjoy him. You enjoy his personality, and you enjoy his presence. When we worship, I'm meditating on the personality of God, and I'm also experiencing the presence of God. I explained more of that last week. But it's true. God is enjoyable. And if you cannot describe your Christian walk in terms of delight, then I would tell you, you have an upgrade coming. Because that is some place the Lord wants to take you. What about sacrifice, Kurt? Well, Jesus in Hebrews 12 too, or was stated to have sacrificed because of the joy set before him. You're able to sacrifice big when you're convinced there's big joy on the other side of that sacrifice. So the more you actually get infatuated with God, the easier it is to give everything. So I, I, uh, I knew a guy in college who uh, you know, told me when he first went to Bible college, he, he thought missionaries were crazy, people who would go to other countries. He just, why would you do that? And when he went to Bible college, by the way, he was, um, he was like one of those guys who had really just come back to the Lord. Like, just, just come back. Like, when I knew him the first, my freshman year, I was like, this dude doesn't take anything we're doing seriously, nothing. I met him, I, and then I never really talked to him le- the, the rest of the four years, not because I didn't like him, uh, just we didn't, weren't around each other. And I got to know him better three years later, and he was on fire for God. I'm like, what happened to you? And guess what? And now he had started traveling to other places, on, taking students on trips. Why? Because he started falling more in love with Jesus. And when you understand who he is, you, they're, they're, the, the yes is so much easier. So, today, I want to kind of give you the flip side of that coin. I want to talk to you about the supreme pleasure of obeying God. <laughs> the supreme pleasure of loving God. You see, I do not only have pleasure in the fact that um, God is my greatest inheritance, I have pleasure in being God's greatest inheritance. Because you know when Jesus died and he said, um, the joy set before him, that was us. We're the, we're the greatest pleasure to God. And it's kind of like when you're married or when you get married or, you know, on your wedding, for example. The joy isn't just in the fact that I have this person who loves me a lot. The joy is in the fact that I get to love this person. It's a two-way street. Last week I talked really about our receiving. You have to have the receiving. Because if you don't have the receiving, you can't give. But as you have the receiving, you start realizing, as I give to him, there's also immense pleasure in that. Yes, there's sacrifice. But I sacrifice big because there's immense pleasure in living for God. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm really excited about it. <laughs> when you're kind of curious what the Bible says about a topic, Jesus is a great place to start. So we're going to start with Jesus this morning. If you could turn to John 15, and then um, if you want to you know, have one finger in John 15, and maybe your thumb or something in Revelation 19, or you can just wait because the verses are going to be on the screen. Uh, these, these are going to kind of be our launching text. I like to go to a lot of verses, so we're not going to stay here forever. But um, these are going to be our launching text. And John 15 is where Jesus is talking about the analogy of the, the, uh, the vine and the branches. And it's a great parable. I don't really have time to go into it, so I'm not actually not even going to cover that portion. But just so you know, we're actually catching some, 
sentences of Jesus in the middle of a conversation. Uh, I encourage you to read that part later. But after Jesus talking to, or in the conversation of that parable, Jesus says in verse 9, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Which, by the way, you didn't realize, that means God loves you like he loves himself. And God has no self-hatred. Isn't that, isn't that cool? As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Let me read verse 11 again. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. You might not be convinced this morning that obeying God, loving God is joyful, but let's start off with the fact that Jesus says it is. <laughs> Jesus, I don't think, is a liar. And Jesus is saying, if you will abide in my love by obeying what I say, obeying the commandments of the Father, your joy will be full. I can attest to that. I, I'm experiencing that more and more. So you, you can walk in this conversation, maybe not understanding the how yet, but if you have any value for the words of Jesus, you should know that this is where we're going. The, your joy will be full when you do this. The other illustration I want to show you right away is in Revelation 19, 6 through 8. The Apostle John is uh, having a vision of the end times, and so he's seen, um, I believe after the tribulation and at the end, uh, when we, the new Jerusalem, new earth, he's seen all these things. In verse 6 of Revelation 19, I said 9, 19, um, it says this, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, Clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Let me read it again. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. You know, on a wedding day, there's a lot of different emotions going on. My wife was actually really cool. She wasn't the bridezilla or any of that stuff. She... By the time our wedding day came, um, she was like, if anything's going wrong, I can't do anything about it, so whatever. So we were just, she was happy to be married. And, you know, again, a lot of emotions, all sorts of things going on. One of the things that goes on, again, not a woman, but from my observation, one of the things that goes on in a bride's mind is that she's excited that she finally receives this man as her husband. There's a delight in that I receive him. He is mine. But there's also a delight in that she is his, and the wedding dress kind of comes into that. She doesn't just get in a wedding dress to look pretty and feel good about herself, which is part of it and is important. She should like the dress she's in. She should be excited about this dress. This dress should make her feel awesome. It should be, whoa, I got the dress. Actually, it generally is like that from what I hear. You know, my wife came back, I got the dress, and maybe she didn't do it like that, but... um, but they get the dress because they also want to be pleasurable to their husband. Does that make sense? And it's not this manipulative thing, you need to be pleasurable. She delights to be the delight of the one who loves her. And 
God pulls on that analogy and says that the end of days, we will be like a bride arrayed in a beautiful dress, showing the Father, showing the Son, showing the Holy Spirit, but especially to the Son, who, you know, Christ is the husband of the church, showing the Son our righteous acts. We are beautified by the good things we do. And if you don't know this, in Jesus, if you give your life to him, he doesn't remember any of your sin. He only remembers the right stuff you do. So I don't walk, I don't come to judgment day with this worry like, oh man, he's going to talk about all this stuff. Now maybe on earth, if I didn't address something and didn't repent of it, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's going to say, um, why'd you never talk to me about this? Oh, I'm sorry, Lord. Okay, okay. But honestly, the Bible says, I don't even think that's really true. The Bible says he will not remember your sin anymore. So what's left? It's all the good stuff I ever did. That sounds weird, but it's true. And guess what? It makes every righteous act now that I do simply a love offering. It means there's going to be a lot of joy because I'm able to offer him something I've been working years on. I, you know, I, I was really touched when they were praying for the kids. I got saved when I was seven years old. And by the grace of God, I've walked with him ever since. And I, I'm planning to rack up some years. And it doesn't, and by the way, if you, you know, if you haven't had a lot of years with Jesus, believe me, God will help you redeem that time. You can, I think there's people who have had five years with the Lord and will have a lot more. <laughs> I mean, it's not about comparing, but um, I'm excited to have years and years of offering to the Lord, like, Jesus, this is, this is all I have to offer to you. So, I want to kind of open up that and analyze it a little bit more, because some of you might be listening to me, but you're still not convinced. You're like, okay, I kind of get it, but I don't, because you said this word obedience, and obedience is like a bad word. What is that, seven letters or something? It's not a four-letter word, but it's still bad. Like, this is a bad word. We don't, Kurt, we don't say obedience. Holy is also a bad word sometimes in the church. You have to live holy. Oh, like. So let's, let's talk about that. Why is obedience a good word? Why is, why is to live for God a good thing? Well, I, I already addressed it, but again, we're going to unpack this a little more. Obeying God is full of pleasure because I enjoy delighting in the one who delights in me. And first of all, that's true because it is simply the natural response to love. 1 John 4.19 is we love him because he first loved us. This is simply natural. If I walked up to anybody, and I mean anybody in this room, and I gave you a million dollars, you would at least say thank you. And I, was, I seriously had it. I wasn't like, would you like a million dollars? No, I, had, I opened the briefcase. I'm like, I'm not a criminal. I'm not a thief. This is not laundered money. This is, this is real. This is for you. I have freely to give it. Some of you at least would say a little thank you. The majority of you might start crying, might start laughing, might start hugging me immensely, might start going crazy. Why? Because the natural response to being given something that's appreciated is thankfulness. It's the natural response. And so you don't even have to tell sometimes people who get saved right away that they need to live for God. They just already start wanting to do that because they... um, because they encountered the love of God in such a strong way. Now, we need to continue to encourage each other, but it's natural. Another reason that obeying God is so pleasurable in the sense that I want to um, 
in the sense that I want to delight the one who delights in me, is because I understand the one who delights in me doesn't delight on me based on my obedience. Kurt, you said your obedience is pleasurable to him. I did. But you've got to understand, there's two sorts of things going on here. <laughs> God actually enjoys a lot of things about you. <laughs> That's really what's going on. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. When you were doing the exact opposite of what God was wanting you to do, God loved you. And God doesn't love you any less today. Anybody here not sin? Well, then you all have at one point been under the qualification of a sinner, and God says, I loved you so much that I was not willing to live without you. So I killed myself so I could be with you. I also raised myself from the dead, so we don't have to do the Roman Juliet thing. We can actually be together forever. It's going to be awesome. Ephesians 1.5 says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Good pleasure of his will. Good pleasure of his will. God is simply pleased when you become his child. Now, he already loves you whether you're his child or not. But when you become his child, he's excited. And again, I referenced this last week. But um, you have a baby. 99% of parents, whether you're even excited to be pregnant or not, feel some sense of like, I love this child. But let me tell you something. The child hasn't really done anything for you. They're a noise at one end and a smell at the other. And they're really, in a sense, cramping your style, really. But how many parents are just so in love with this baby who hasn't done anything? God is simply pleased with you because you're you. And because you're his. And if you don't actually get that, obedience then becomes a chore. So many people think obeying God is not fun, not delightful, because they think their obedience is earning God's favor. I obey. I'm learning, but I generally try to obey God out of the sense that he's already pleased with me. It actually makes me free to make mistakes. Ooh, did I say that? I didn't say it's free to sin, but let me just tell you something. God's value on you doesn't change whether you actually sin or not, whether you make mistakes or not. That's big. I'm a very performance-oriented guy. I was a firstborn. I had very loving parents, by the way. So it wasn't necessarily their deal on me. It was just I grew up, and I was like, I got to get, get stuff done. I got to get my life together, da, 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 da. And at times in my life where I wasn't being as pleasing to myself as I wanted to be, I had to remind myself, no, God delights in me whether I've done anything right. And if you don't catch that, obedience will never be enjoyable. So make sure you catch that, okay? The other reason um, obedience brings pleasure, or actually, I just want to give you another verse before I give you that other reason. But 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8 says this. This is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. He says, finally, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanliness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who, also, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. That actually is really delightful for me. That I can actually do things to please God. I don't know if you ever felt like nothing I do seems to please anybody. 
Well, let me tell you something. When you obey the Lord, it pleases him. I could actually show you other passages that talk about specific things. There's a, I believe it's Hebrews 13 that talks about, actually, when you praise God with your lips, you know, God is pleased with that. There's other verses God delights in uh, when you fear him and such. Uh, Fear being, anyways, a whole other subject. But uh, that really encourages me because, you know, a lot of times, don't you feel like you're just doing, 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 doing? Does anybody notice? Does anybody care? Yeah, God notices. God cares. And his word said he's pleased with it. I actually want to please the one who delights in me. And you do too. So that's one way that obedience is very pleasurable because it ultimately is a relational thing. I obey because I love him. That, that's why what Jesus says in John 15 isn't manipulative. Some people read it, it's like, Jesus said, if I love him, I have to do what he says. And, you know, you tell certain people that. If they don't know the context, they're like, Jesus is trying to manipulate me to do things. No, Jesus is just simply stating a fact. (laughs) If you obey him, it means you love him because it means you know him. Because if you knew him, you'd automatically love him and you'd want to do what he says because you realize how awesome he is. It's just true. It's true. Now, I also enjoy obedience in God because there are immense benefits to obedience. I could spend a whole message on this. Actually, I could spend a whole message on any one of these points. But I enjoy the benefits of obedience because, or I enjoy obeying because there are so many benefits to it. Now, I showed you the relational, and the relational would be enough. Actually, the relational would be enough if God never gave me any benefits. (laughs) But God's awesome. He's like, I'm going to give you this awesome relationship with me, where obedience ties into how you love me and it's going to be this awesome thing. But also, I'm going to give you benefits to it. For example, when God says, I want you to do this in your relationships, it always improves my relationships. Yes, there are times where you will love the unlovable and they won't love you back. But I'm going to tell you, God is always upgrading things. Um, In Proverbs, it talks about how um, how to... how to do your finances correctly. You know, it gives you wisdom about money. If you actually do what God says to do in Proverbs about your money, you will see significant improvement in your finances. It's true. It's, it's not like prosperity gospel thing. We're not saying your life's going to be easy. We're just saying that when you invite God into a situation, situations will improve. Now, the issue is, it's not always really quick. <laughs> the issue is, I actually have to trust the one I love. I can't just sit there and give up when it doesn't happen right away. I've got to trust the one I love, but I'm telling you right now, um, Dave was mentioning earlier, we have people in this church who've been trusting him for their finances, and they're getting jobs. We have people in this church who have trusted him for um, health issues, and God has healed them. Um, and if you're still trusting him for those things, God wants to take care of those issues. I actually felt like I was supposed to share this verse, because some of you might not believe it. Third John, uh, chapter 1, 2, and 3 says, Chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. The prayers of the New Testament reveal the will of God. And guess what this is revealing? That God's will is that you would be healthy. Yes, there's a stewardship of our bodies, and that's part of it. But I can believe God to want to heal my body. If I'm not healed yet, I'm going to trust him in faith. There is a benefit to obey the Lord. Um, there's a benefit when I obey the Lord. I've t- felt the Lord tell me, go pray for someone. 
and the times I was obedient, and there have been times I prayed for those people, and they got healed. Guess what? They received the benefits of my obedience. Another benefit, actually, that I realized I hadn't mentioned, and I'm going to mention really quick, is the fact that I, you also get to partner with God. Um, it's a blast. You have a lot of crazy, fun adventures with Jesus. And what's funny is I look around the room, and I, I could point a lot of you out that I know some of your stories. Um, and some of you have some really cool stories. All of us have cool stories in Jesus. I'm just saying some of you have stories about where you weren't sure, and you just said, okay, Lord, I'm going to obey you. And it was a lot of fun. And people are like, you must be like a superhero, actually. I took a youth one time, um, and I'm still praying for this guy, by the way, but who's uh, just comes from a really rough background. And the guy is drugs a lot of the times. But I took him to our uh, Bible study on Friday nights, we used to do. I took him twice, and um, we would just start having senses of the Lord, like God wanted to say things over his life, people who did not know him at all. And I didn't go in there and say, hey, this is who he is, this is what's going on. I really didn't introduce him at all. He would come in, and someone would say, you know, I feel like God wants to say this to you. He'd be like, dude, are you psychic? Like, he, he, in his box, that was the only category to fit. And we are like, no, God knows everything about you, and God loves you. And it's, it's fun. I don't, I, I don't want to be called psychic, but it's fun to, like, mess with people's mind. <laughs> if you don't know, the, the early church was actually accused of turning the world upside down. And uh, it's a lot of fun to turn the world upside down in love. Um, I'm not talking about breaking things or whatever. So um, I enjoy obedience because of the benefits. I also enjoy obedience because I am a new creation. And I don't want to dwell on this too long. Uh, I encourage you, if you haven't taken OSL Level 1, this will actually get explained more succinctly. But um, when you get saved and you give your life to the Lord, you are made up of your, your flesh, which is your body, and also your soul. And your soul, we talk about, comprises of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then there's also your spirit. Well, if you don't know the Lord, your spirit is really dead. When you give your life to God, God immediately makes your spirit new, and it's what 2 Corinthians 5 talks about, that you've become a new creation. So a person might get saved and have this amazing like encounter. They fell over. They, 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 they feel like they're on cloud nine. They have visions and angels and all this stuff. Another person might get saved and feel nothing, see nothing, and on the outside, nothing changed. But both of those people had their spirit completely made new. And it was a real, very real transaction. Uh, actually, one of the lies of the enemy is to try to convince a person what you had happen wasn't real to you. But that's a lie. You know, and what does it mean to give your life to Jesus? It means, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. I receive your life if you will take my penalty. And he did. And it says, and it means I make you in charge. And if you would simply pray that or pray something along those lines, the words don't even matter, it's your heart. The Lord receives you. The Lord receives you completely. And he makes you immediately new. Now, the issue comes down to your flesh isn't new yet. And that's where people really struggle. Um, uh, Paul talks about in Romans 7 that, you know, your mind, which is part of your soul, needs to get renewed. He also talks about, oh, actually, that's Romans 12, 1 through 2, my bad. In Romans 7, he talks about your flesh has sin in it. Now, your flesh isn't necessarily bad, the biblical concept of flesh. Your flesh has natural desires. Your flesh wants to eat. 
But your flesh also has sin, so that at times it wants to eat things it shouldn't. Or your flesh desires to have sex, which is a God-given desire. You should, you know, in a godly way, look to fulfill that by getting married. Um, but there's sin in my flesh, and it wants to do the wrong thing with the right desire. I say that because some of you hear, oh, I want to obey God, and you're still not convinced because you're like, there are times God told me to do something. I didn't feel like it, Kurt, and it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun at all. I don't want to do it at all, and I can't believe you're telling me it's fun because it's not fun. And And I, I just want to tell you, if you're a believer, yeah, your flesh doesn't always enjoy it. And if you didn't know that, breakthrough, your flesh doesn't always enjoy it. But you might not realize your spirit always enjoys it. Um, let me give you the verse reference for this, but First uh, John 3, 9 refers to your spirit as um, the seed of God, and it says the seed of God in you cannot sin. So even if you would choose to sin and walk, as the Bible says, in the flesh, your spirit is not sinning with you. And that is why, as a Christian, it's no longer really fun to sin. Like, there might be pleasure in it, but I, I've talked to so many people, when they got saved, they're like, dude, I try to do some of the old stuff I used to do. It's not fun anymore. But I can't really seem to serve God, so I, can't, I don't feel satisfied in, in, in obeying him because they don't understand how God feels about them. But then they try to sin, and it doesn't feel like it used to. Why? Because now the spirit's in them, the renewed, your renewed spirit's in you, and the Holy Spirit's in you. And both of those are like, this we shouldn't be doing. This we shouldn't be doing. This we shouldn't be doing. It's why, you know, I, I at times want to give in to sexual temptation. My flesh is like, do this, do this, it's fun, it's fun, it's fun. And all of, I'm hearing God, and I'm hearing my spirit going, this is not fun. This is not fun. This is not, and I'm like, fine, fine, it's not fun. You're right. I'd want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing. I say that because um, two sides of you are enjoying two different things, so just go with the side that's enjoying the right thing. As, as you would walk in the Spirit, you will actually learn to enjoy what the Spirit enjoys more. Does that make sense? So let me show you a bibl- uh, verse that really kind of makes this clear and plain. Um, Galatians five sixteen through 17 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and by the way, it capitalizes Spirit in this verse, and I don't think it should be capitalized in the original Greek. It was neither capitalized or lowercase. They didn't have those distinctions in Koine Greek. Um, so w- the interpreter has to say, is the spirit God here or is the spirit man? So a lot of them think it's God, so they capitalize it. I think it's actually your human spirit that's been renewed because it's renewed. So verse 16, he says, I say then, walk in the spirit, your renewed spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, we're going to substitute lust because for desire, because most modern translations, you know, that word could also mean desire. So let me just switch desire for you and read it that way. I, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not feel the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So if you make a decision to walk in the Spirit... Guess what? There's a part of you, whether your spirit, your flesh is freaking out or not, there's a part of you that's enjoying obeying God. So some of you right now are maybe starting to see it because before you're like, this one thing I never feel like doing. I never feel like doing. Well, yeah, your spirit does. You just haven't listened to him about it. 
And I would encourage you as you'd walk in the Spirit and start listening to your renewed spirit and listening to the Holy Spirit, you're actually going to start enjoying the thing that you didn't enjoy before. I'm not saying it's always fun entirely. I'm not saying it's always easy. Let me give you an example. I get really tired sometimes, and I don't always feel like being kind. And so at times, I'm not always kind, unfortunately, to my wife. I'm working on it. But, um, you know, when you're really tired, your flesh gets really loud sometimes, and it's like... I feel like doing this. And you really kind of got to say, Lord, help me here. Because there's this little thing inside of you going, but you love to love your wife. You love to love your wife. And, And there's times I'm praying like, Lord, help amplify that voice right now in my head. Give me power. Amplify that voice. But I, you need to see that you are, you are new in Christ. Because if you think you're a sinner, you're going to just believe um, that you only can sin, you can only enjoy sin. But if you think God's made you new, then you're going to say, wait, that's no longer natural for me. It's natural for me to obey the Lord. Take OSL level one, more of that to come. It's awesome. Um, and I hope I didn't butcher that for you. Okay, the other um, benefit of obedience that I did reference, but I want to allude to it again, is, Revelation, is what's talked about in Revelation 22.12. And the Apostle John says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. And that was Jesus talking. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10 says this, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, again, I mentioned that if you give your life to the Lord, he doesn't remember the bad. So what's the judgment seat about? It is simply about reward. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going for the biggest reward I can get. Paul talks, um, I believe in Philippians, the church in Philippi, that I'm I'm striving forward. I'm I'm running the race. I'm doing what I can because I want to receive all the reward God has for me. Heard it sounds self-serving. You were made for reward. Like, like, let's get over ourselves. Like, we enjoy things. Like, God, that's the way God has made us, so we can't deny that. So let's just run with it. I'm going for a reward. Um, I could go a whole much more into this. I mean, uh, Jesus alludes to some really interesting things. Uh, at the end of the book of Revelation, it says we'll rule and reign with him. If you look at, like, for example, the parable of the talents, you know, these guys were taking care of maybe the equivalent of thousands of dollars or even a million dollars. So they're taking care of something substantial, but the reward they received for that sum of money that they were given were, were like cities. Oh, you took care of, you increased five talents and made, got ten talents, which was a sum of money. I'm going to give you ten cities. You see here how the, the, the promotion was nothing in comparison to what you were given in the first place? I'm, I'm quite convinced that when I get to heaven, my reward's going to be like, I get that? <laughs> I mean, it would be a Ponzi scheme. Honestly, if, if God was manipulative, this would have been the best con to pull on God. But it's actually the greatest love gift God can do to us because God, knowing we're not perfect in and of ourselves, commands us to do something, empowers us to do it, and then rewards us for the thing he inspired and helped us do in the first place. That's why at the end, it describes, we're going to probably just give it all back to him. We're like, dude, 
Um, you rewarded me for this, but here you go. It's like helping a little kid draw. It's like, hey, um, so-and-so, will you help me draw this? And you help them write it out. You put your hand over them, and then you give them a reward for something basically you drew through them. Like, isn't God awesome? Obedience is not only fun in this age, awesome in this age. In the age to come, you will be surprised. I will be shocked. I have no idea some the, some of the extent of this. Um, so I want to encourage you guys that, like, like I mentioned last week, that we need to change the way we think about God. This week, we need to change the way we think about obedience. Because it's not a bad word. It's not a dirty word. When God says, be perfect as I am perfect, be holy as I am holy, we're simply walking out who we really are. I'm telling you guys, I'm not perfect in this myself. <laughs> I'm really excited because I know he's calling me higher. He's calling me into more joy. Um, so I'm going to pray for you now, and then um, I'll have Pastor Dave come up and close us from response. But I, 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 um, I pray over you this morning that the Lord is going to do exceptionally above anything you could ask or imagine. Whatever you would give to him this morning, God is not only going to reward you for it, but he's going to help you with it. And, and I, I had this sense before service, and I, I, I have a feeling right now that I, I feel like the Lord is saying to some of you, you're changing your family line. Some of, not that you should get out of your family, but that you've been in a family that um, has walked a certain way your whole life, and now your kids are going to walk a different way because today you made a decision to do something different. And that, I really feel that strongly for some of you, that you are, you are breaking off things. And sometimes, you know, quote, you know, whatever we want to talk about, generation curses, whatever, I think some of that is simply made in the decisions we make. I'm going to live different. I'm going to, I'm going to trust God. So I declare over you that you have the grace in the Lord to trust God, and he is going to help you do that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pastor Dave, if you could lead us in response. All right, stand with me and let's respond to the Lord. You heard of it. You heard Kurt tell us a number of reasons why obedience brings us pleasure. We actually are pleasing God, but also we're blessed in our obedience, just simply in the intimacy and oneness with God and in the rewards that He offers. But He brought up something that is so vital to understand that we are a new creation. And I want to lead us in embracing that this morning before we leave. I want to strengthen you in that, in that faith response. If, if you're not uh, yet a believer today, I want you to know that you can accept that forgiveness from the Lord that Jesus died for, and you can embrace His Lordship right now. And then all of us who are followers of Christ, let's respond to the Lord, and I want to lead you in a prayer. And so go ahead and just repeat after me these words to the Lord as we seal this uh, in our hearts. The, n- the number one thing I want to lead you in is understanding what Jesus said, that your spirit is willing, even though your flesh might be weak, but your spirit is willing. So just say to the Lord, say, Father, thank you for forgiving me my every sin. By the blood of Jesus, 
I receive Jesus as my Lord. And I thank you, Lord. I am a new creation. Dead to sin and alive to God. That my spirit is willing. That I will to do good. I want to please you, Father. I want to bring you pleasure. I love God because you loved me first. Thank you, Father. Father, just teach us to walk in this this week. I come against every lie of the enemy that, that would accuse your people that they don't love you. I declare to you right now, as you just said to God, you love him. Your spirit is willing. And where your own flesh would tell you, no, I want to do this. I want to yell at that person or I, I, I want to, I want to uh, uh, get revenge. That's a lie of the enemy. That's your flesh. That's not who you are. You're dead to that sin now. And this week, I want you to tell your flesh, no, that's not who I am. I want you to tell the enemy, no, that's not who I am. And tell the enemy to take a hike. And I want you to speak to the Lord and say, God, help me to obey you. Help me to love you like you love me. And tell the Lord, I'm willing. My spirit's willing. My spirit's willing. So, Father, give your people grace. Strengthen them to obey you. Strengthen me. Strengthen us to obey you. To walk in the spirit. To walk, not performing, not earning, but responding to your love. And walking in your spirit and our own willing spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us the ability to obey and you have blessed us and you reward us as we, as we obey you. Thank you, Lord. We want your pleasure to be our pleasure. Amen. Amen. Well, bless you, church.